Okay, three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 455. Hope you're having a fantastic day. Um, I want to start with a recommendation. And, oh man, you know, I did one of the most undisciplined things I've done in years last night. And this is the moment, I'm going to pause here, I want you to imagine, what do you think I did? When I say I did something really undisciplined, because I, I take a lot of pride in my work ethic, and I, I did something last night that I'm like, oh boy, hmm, that was pretty undisciplined. Here's what I did. Uh, I, got, I, I went to dinner, came back from dinner, and the new Jack Reacher series was out on Amazon Prime. And if you don't know, Jack Reacher is my favorite. Like, him... Captain Kirk, Jack Sparrow, and Han Solo, those are like my four favorite fictional characters of all time. And Jack Reacher is probably number one. Like I, as a child, I didn't know about him, but later in life, I found the Jack Reacher books. I absolutely love, love Jack Reacher. I even like Tom Cruise's Jack Reacher, even though he's a midget. He's a tiny, tiny human. Who, Jack Reacher's supposed to be 6'5". I, I love, love, love the books and the stories and the character. And it was one of those where I'm like, I'm tired. Like, I need a little break. Then I'll get back to work. And you watch one episode, and you're like, oh, just one more. And I watch another one. And here's the most undisciplined thing I've done in years. I watched all eight episodes of season one of Jack Reacher in one sitting. I just blew through it. I couldn't stop. I loved it. Oh, my gosh. Um, I don't really regret it. My only regret is I wish I'd known ahead of time. Because it was one of those, like, you ever play video games as a kid? You're like, ah, just one more round. Just one more. And I kept compounding. I just, you know what? I'll, I'll watch like 15 more minutes. And then 15 minutes turns into a whole episode. And it, just, it kept compounding. I wish it had been more calculated and planned out because ideally it would have been like, hey, get some snacks. Like really lean into it. Enjoy the moment. I just watched it. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So here's my recommendation. If you have Amazon Prime, watch the series. It's either called Reacher or Jack Reacher. I don't remember how they named it on Amazon, but – uh, watch Jack Reacher. It is an amazing television show. It's one of my favorite fictional characters of all time. Not a sponsorship. They actually did sponsor Joe Rogan. I'm pretty jealous of that. I'm like, oh, I would have killed for Amazon to pay me to talk about something I love. Um, but if you have Amazon Prime and you have, I don't know, seven hours, this is about, you know, about 30 to 50 minutes an episode, eight episodes, dude, you should watch it. I cannot recommend it enough. It's a wonderful show. It's a uh, He's a former military policeman who, a military cop, uh, MP, that's the word. Uh, and he's like a hobo, basically, who walks around America and runs into adventures. And oh, man, oh, my goodness, I uh, can't recommend that enough. Let's shift gears to the new team name in Washington. And this is where it's kind of, let's have a fun conversation here for a second. I upload my own videos. So if you, if you read a title on YouTube or you read a podcast title on iTunes or Spotify or wherever, I want you to know I wrote that. I typed it out. I hit the publish button. Like I'm, I'm the person who, who puts that out. Um, and I had a conversation with someone last night. They're like, hey, you should do what like Pat McAfee does and say Pat McAfee reacts to Washington football team new name. Instead, you should do, you know, Zach Schaumler reacts to the new team name in Washington. And I love that idea, but I cannot bring myself to 
talk about myself in the third person. <laughs> I just can't. You know, a lot of people are like, it's a good way to get your name out there and, you know, build the, quote, Zach Shomler name, Zach Shomler reacts, but I can't, I, I, I can't, I can't bring myself to talk about myself. I, like, if I had a team of people and it was someone else writing that, great. Totally support that. You see Rich Eisen does that. Um, every, everybody has, like, blank reacts to and then insert whatever thing. I just don't feel comfortable putting my name as if like I'm not the person writing it, like I I can't get past that mental block. Feels too weird and wrong. It feels like uh, I feel like someone would click on the video and go, Zach. We know that you wrote that. <laughs> uh, let's jump in. Let's talk about it. The football team in Washington, formerly known as the Washington Football Team, before that known as the Washington Redskins, has announced their new team name. Uh, it's supposed to be more permanent. They are now the Washington Commanders. Uh, it's boring. It's pretty bland, which does make sense. Uh, they wanted a name that would also allow them to avoid controversy. For example, I haven't said the name Washington Redskins in like two and a half years. I just like, nah, I feel like when I'm talking about it in a historical sense, I can. But I'm like, I'm never going to probably say that word ever again on my show. It's not worth the... Um, the criticism you might get, which is why the football team changed their name. Um, they wanted a name that would allow, you know, avoid controversy and be, I mean, frankly, I think they were aiming for generic and boring. They definitely got that. It does feel like a created team in Madden. Uh, but that is also how almost any team name would feel. Like if, think of the New York Giants, or the Cleveland Browns, or the Packers, or the Cardinals, or I don't know, almost anything, right? Anything sounds generic the first time you hear it. You know, the current teams all have names that we're used to. But can you imagine if a team was like, hey, we are the New Jersey Packers? We'd be like, the Pack? What the hell is a Packer? That's not a name. It works for Green Bay because it's been a part of our culture for years and years, and we just, that's what we know. It would be weird if they were named anything else. But... Without context, it's very bizarre. Imagine if a new team came to Cleveland in 2022 this year. And they're like, you know what we're going to call our team name? We're going to be the Cleveland Browns. You'd be like, what's a brown? I actually don't want to know what a brown is. That's kind of gross. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. I think any new name is going to have a hard time. It'll sound generic. It'll sound weird. It'll sound like a Madden-created team, because we are we only know the names we're used to, and anything new is weird and wrong. So, of course, like it, it's going to get roasted like crazy. It is a corny name, the Commanders, uh, but I think in, like, two years, nobody's going to care. You know, people even came to accept the name the Washington football team. Like, after a while, people were like, oh, I kind of like it. And I remember when it was first announced, people were like, we can't even come up with a name, idiocy. And then by the end of the two-year period of that name, people were like, can we stick with that? I like that. So I think in time, people will accept the name Commanders. Uh, now, I do want to share some of the best feedback I got about the new team name. Uh, one of my friends texted me, Commanders is a stupid name. It sounds like they won't be wearing underwear. <laughs> Going Commando, baby. I'm like, okay. So they're the Commandos. That's interesting. Commanders. A lot of people... Thought the name is boring or clunky. I got that feedback like crazy. Um, again, they're trying to avoid controversy. That's why I think boring was the point here. Everybody's going to call them the commies. You know, uh, you know, 
as you know, the, the Washington commies, uh, a guy named Bailey commented on my Instagram post. He said, it feels like the Kirkland brand NFL team, which is the Costco generic brand, kind of like buying, I don't know, what's be- is best, true value, best value, whatever the Walmart brand is. It's like, it's like a Walmart, Costco brand football team, which, yeah, again, I agree. Um, a lot of people wish that it was the D.C. Commanders instead of the Washington Commanders. I totally agree with that. The D.C. anything is way cooler than Washington anything. Washington, even, it's like, well, there's two Washingtons. There's Washington, D.C., Washington State. Why do we need to confuse it? And D.C. is just cool. I don't know. D.C. Commander sounds way more interesting to me. Uh, I They can't change that now. Can you imagine they announce a new team name and then two weeks later they're like, well, we met D.C. Commanders. Excuse me. Can't do that, but I, I would support that fully. Uh, one guy said, I will be referring to them as the commies, and their defense will be known as the Red Scare. I love that. That's like kind of, it like, reminds me of the Iron Curtain. Remember the, of the Steelers defense? That's awesome. I really like that one. Um, guy named Drake said, the name is a little disappointing. They had two years, and that's the best they could do. Yeah, I I do agree with that. I thought, you know, I think they were just really... I, I can't go. I keep saying like boring was the the goal here, and whoever in marketing or you know advertising or whatever came up with it, they definitely achieved boring. Um, also, I don't know what like you know the, the the new logo is very minimalist. It's just a W. It looks like it's spray painted like a W together. It's got like four separate pieces, and um, I I actually like the logo. It's a very simple W. I'm fine with that. I actually like the more minimalist logos you could make in the NFL. There's a guy, look up on TikTok. I saw it on Instagram, but I know he's, he's probably got a TikTok series. He, it's like something NFL. He's got like a, a, a series where he makes NFL logos more minimalist. That's kind of an interesting watch. Um, and I will say, what is a commander? Like, what does a commander look like? That's why, that's why the logo is a W, because I, I know what a, I don't know. Uh, what's a Brown? I don't know either. What's a Packer? I don't know either. You know. The W, though, is like the only thing you really could do to represent the team, and maybe that's why they avoided DC, actually, because they don't want it. I think a DC logo would have been even cooler, but um, now they did roll out new jerseys. Um, they've got a white one, a black one, a burgundy, you know, red jersey. I like the new jerseys. They're they're very divided. Some people hate them. Some people love them. I, I like them. I, I got nothing against the new jerseys. I think they're awesome. Um, and, again, I just – a lot of people were making fun of the name – that I think two years from now will be fine. Another thing people were making fun of was the fact that the name did leak early. However, people were like, this is the worst rollout of a name ever. Because there was like a, a video from the outside of the building and you could like zoom in and see commanders like on a poster and there were like t-shirts leaked. I got sent a bunch of pictures of t-shirts from people. Uh, They're like, oh, I, I already know what the merch looks like and that's fine. I, I think that was intentional though. That is a marketing move called a soft launch where before news breaks you kind of you put it out there ahead of time to let people get used to the name so that when the official announcement is made people have more time to come to terms with what the change is and people hate change like that's a that's the big lesson here really is no matter what it was a lot of people are going to hate it because people just do not like when anything is new or changed and i don't really know what name they could have chosen that would have avoided somebody being upset or somebody not liking it. Again, I, I can't say enough. I think eventually people will come to terms and be totally fine with the new name. 
it's just going to take a year, two years, three years, something like that. Eventually, people go, oh, yeah, the Washington Commanders, no big deal. We'll not think about it again. But for now, uh, there is some some fun criticism out there. And uh, if you want a good laugh, go go find Reddit, go find Twitter, go listen and read the things people are saying, because there's some really funny memes and funny stuff people are saying about the Washington team name. But it's going to have its moment. The moment will pass, and then eventually no one will even think twice about the new team name in Washington. Okay. Uh, I want to have some fun today. I want to make fun of myself uh, and look back at the past. I want to play a clip. This is what I said right after the Bengals drafted their quarterback, Joe Burrow. With the number one overall pick, the Cincinnati Bengals drafted Joe Burrow, the quarterback out of LSU. This was absolutely the right pick. He's an incredible quarterback. Literally, he had the best season ever by a college quarterback of all time. And I I know this is a shocker. People are going to go, what? But his film, Joe Burrow's film was better than Andrew Luck's film when I watched it. I just went, this guy's incredibly accurate. Uh, His work ethic is unreal. He mastered everything he could control, which I love. Joe Burrow said, my footwork, my accuracy, my everything I can control, my preparation, I'm going to master that and do the best I possibly can. And he was the most accurate quarterback I have ever seen on film. Now, some people criticize Joe Burrow as a one-hit wonder. Because in 2018, I admit he was an average quarterback. And in 2019, last year, two years ago average, last year in 2019, got way better. Just massively, massively improved. But he also owns it. He says, look, he said in, in an interview last night, Joe Burrow literally said, I wasn't great in 2018. I worked my butt off. I got better. And he improved. I don't know what to tell people who keep saying, he's a one-hit wonder. I don't know what to tell you other than the guy got better. Watch the film. He's a different quarterback. He's a much better quarterback. I've never seen a quarterback improve the way that Joe Burrow did last year in 2019. And then in all the big moments, in all those big games, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, the entire college football playoff, he rose to the occasion. He played better. He was great. Now, here's the question, though. Will the Bengals actually build around Joe Burrow? But I think Joe Burrow is going to have a rough rookie year. But I want you to be patient. I want him to be patient. Because Joe Burrow is going to get a year of film from his rookie year and go, okay, I have a year of film to watch and, and learn from. And now going into 2021, two years from now, he can go, we need to change this and this and this and this and this. Joe Burrow might need a year to learn. Similar to Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning's rookie year, he went like 3-13. and 13. I believe he set the rookie record for interceptions in a season. He was like ridiculously bad. But Peyton Manning, the next year, played much better because he looked at the film and he learned from it. The same could be true for Joe Burrow. If he has a bad year next year, don't panic. It's okay. So I was not confident that Joe Burrow could turn around the Bengals. I knew he would be an amazing quarterback. I've said it before. Two of the craziest transformations I have ever seen. One was Chris Pratt going from, let's be honest, the fat guy on Parks and Rec, and then transitioning to this massive movie star who's like just on top of the world. A lot of people that are like the comedy guy in a TV show, they they don't go anywhere and they never have a, a career, let alone become Chris Pratt, the massive movie star. Now, the other massive transformation I remember seeing was Joe Burrow at LSU. After 2018, uh, that year, Joe Burrow was fine his first year at LSU. He was not amazing. And remember, he's also the guy who 
Nobody wanted him. He literally had to transfer out of Ohio State to even get on the field. Year one goes by at LSU. Solid, not amazing. Going to be like a sixth-round pick, something like that. Maybe undrafted. And in his second year, he got way, way, way better. Took a massive step forward. Did a ton of work in the offseason. And never forget that the run Joe Burrow is on, he's in a, his first ever Super Bowl now in year two with the Bengals. He started this journey in college. He turned around LSU, he won a national title, and he played his very best in the biggest moments. On the road at Texas, at Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, the college football playoff. As Joe Burrow approaches his first ever Super Bowl, I have no doubt, win or lose, he's going to have a great game and show up for the moment and play his very best football. That is what he's done ever since I can remember about Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow plays his best in big moments. And it's funny, I told people to be patient. I knew that year one would be rough. And, you know, Cincinnati went 4-11-1 that first year with Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow got badly hurt, shredded his knee. But I did say he could build off of year one, and 2021 could be better. Now, honestly, I had... No idea. I, I totally accidentally uh, got that very right. It, I, I just had no idea how true that was going to be. I never would have thought the Bengals would be playing in the Super Bowl <laughs> this year. I just I never saw that coming. Uh, now, let's go even further back. Before Joe Burrow was drafted, I'm going to play another clip. It is cringy for even me to listen to. I go, Zach, what were you saying? Uh, I'm going to play another clip. Take a listen. So the Bengals have the number one overall pick in the 2020 NFL draft. And it's assumed, in fact, it's been reported by some people that they are going to draft Joe Burrow, the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback out of LSU. It's likely that the Bengals are going to draft a quarterback number one overall who won a Heisman Trophy. They've done the exact same thing before. In the 2003 NFL draft, the Bengals chose Heisman winning quarterback out of USC, Carson Palmer. And it's really interesting to hear Carson Palmer talk about Joe Burrow. He calls Joe Burrow a spectacular talent. He gives him high, high praise. It's very clear Carson Palmer likes and believes in Joe Burrow. In fact, guess who Joe Burrow's coach is, his throwing coach in the offseason? Yes, Joe Burrow is working with Carson Palmer's brother, Jordan Palmer. Interesting, right? Oh, and Jordan Palmer, guess where he used to play? Jordan Palmer used to be Carson's backup in Cincinnati with the Bengals. But when you hear Carson Palmer talk about the Cincinnati Bengals, it feels almost like he's warning Joe Burrow not to go there. And Carson Palmer talks about how coming out of college and entering the NFL, he thought he could change the Bengals. He thought he could save the organization. But he didn't understand the NFL. He believed that the most important part of the team was the people on the field. And the reality is, the reality that he learned is that actually the most important part of a football team is the organization that picks the players to go onto the field. There's a reason that the Bengals are drafting number one overall. They're a bad organization. Carson Palmer never made it work in Cincinnati. He was really, really good, and they never won a playoff game. It reminded me a lot of Matthew Stafford with the Lions, where I just really thought that the Bengals organization would hold back Joe Burrow. I, you know, ownership really matters. If you don't have good ownership, you can't win in the NFL. At least it makes it way, way harder. And that leads me to my next clip. Take a listen. 
The Bengals are planning to draft Joe Burrow number one overall. He's the new star hero of the franchise. They can sell a lot of jerseys. They can give fans hope. And fans in Cincinnati, I'll be there this fall. They'll be like, ooh, things are changing. Things are turning around for the Cincinnati Bengals. They're not changing. Things are not going to change in Cincinnati. The owner is still Mike Brown. Mike Brown is still the owner of the Cincinnati Bengals. And as long as he is, things are not going to change. Carson Palmer never won a playoff game until he left Cincinnati. But Joe Burrow, in my opinion, Joe Burrow needs to reject the Bengals and do it hard. He needs to be harsh. He needs to say, I don't want to play for the Cincinnati Bengals. They have bad ownership. I will not play for Mike Brown. You can draft me. I won't play. Joe Burrow has worked too hard. He's too talented to waste years of his career in Cincinnati. He might have a little bit of success in Cincinnati. Maybe at some point, Joe Burrow wins a playoff game with the Bengals. And that'd be awesome. Pull in Eli Manning. Refuse to go there. That's what I think is best for Joe Burrow and his family. Go to a better organization, have a better life, win football games, and achieve good things, great things. Don't go to Cincinnati and underachieve. Oh, my gosh. It's, uh, it's hilarious to listen to that. It really is. Uh, I said, don't go to Cincinnati and underachieve. All Joe Burrow has done since he got to Cincinnati is overachieve. I said, maybe someday he can win a playoff game, like one playoff game. <laughs> he won three. He won three this year. And now he's going to a Super Bowl in year two. And really, the big thing that happened with the Bengals organization um, and what, what really took place is that Mike Brown, the Bengals owner, has gotten older. And as that has happened, he's given more and more control to his daughter, Katie Blackburn. Uh, she's got a dope last name, by the way. She married a guy named Troy Blackburn. Uh, but she is, she is Mike Brown's daughter, despite not the same last name. Katie Blackburn and Duke Tobin are basically running the Bengals organization. And they've done a great job building around Joe Burrow. Something I was very concerned would not happen in Cincinnati. They brought in, you know, for example, the defensive line. They brought in Troy Hendrickson. They brought in DJ Reader. They traded for BJ Hill. Uh, a, a really great, like, quiet trade with the Giants to get BJ Hill. They gave Sam Hubbard a big contract. I was really, really critical of the Bengals for being cheap during the Carson Palmer era. I'm like, look. It didn't work with Andy Dalton. It didn't work with Carson Palmer. They didn't even spend money when Carson Palmer really needed it to win more playoff games and go farther. However, they've actually done a really good job building their team here in the Joe Burrow era. And the only thing left that the Bengals really need, in my opinion, is a better offensive line. And that leads me to my final clip. Um, this is what I said when the Bengals drafted their stud wide receiver, Jamar Chase, number five overall in the 2021 NFL draft. I'm going to be really, really harsh on this one. The Cincinnati Bengals did not draft an offensive tackle, an offensive lineman. They drafted wide receiver Jamar Chase from LSU. And uh, Jamar Chase, another guy. Like, I, it's, it's, it's weird to knock this pick because he's incredibly talented. Like, he's a great football player. He played with Joe Burrow at LSU. Like, he's going to be he's gonna be awesome. Like, frankly, like, watching, it's going to be a high-powered exciting offense in Cincinnati. Here's the problem. Your starting quarterback, Joe Burrow, got hurt last year with a season-ending injury. Got hit a ton. You need to get him help on the offensive line. I just don't understand, like, ah, 
yeah, wide receiver, they're great, but if Joe Burrow's on his back, it doesn't matter how many great wide receivers you have. So I, this is the pick I hated the most in the draft. I could not believe that the Cincinnati Bengals did not draft an offensive tackle. They should have picked Panay Sewell out of Oregon. Uh, literally, I, it's very possible he's a Hall of Fame left tackle. And I, I just, what about the offensive line? I could not believe that the Bengals did not draft Panay Sewell, the offensive tackle out of Oregon. I, 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 I hated this move, I, which is weird to say. Again, they got a great player, but they got a player who doesn't protect the quarterback. So I, I just think it's a weird move that I really didn't like. Jamar Chase is going to make a ton of plays in Cincinnati. Like he's going to be, he's a stud. He's a great player. And watching Jamar Chase paired up with T. Higgins, it's going to be fun. Like, I I have no doubt Jamar Chase is going to score touchdowns, make a lot of big plays. He's going to be a blast to watch in Cincinnati. This will not be an awful pick like when the Bengals drafted uh, John Ross, number nine overall in the draft uh, a couple years ago, and he was like a total bust. This is not that kind of pick. This is a good player who I, I feel good about. I cannot say this enough. You have to protect your young quarterback. It's very important to get your young quarterback protection, especially Joe Burrow, guy who got hurt last year. Jamar Chase was really good, but passing on Panay Sewell was a terrible, terrible mistake. That's my fear for the Cincinnati Bengals. We'll see if I'm right. Like, I'll revisit this. We'll, we'll see in like three years who is right. And uh, I, I'm not saying Jamar Chase is a bad pick because he's a great player, but I would have picked Panay Sewell. And uh, I just, I'm really curious to follow the storyline as it develops over this season and over the next couple of years. I think Bengals fans have slightly unrealistic expectations thinking their team is a playoff team. They're going to do all this stuff. I'm like, wow, let's slow down. You're just trying to get through a year without your quarterback getting hurt, in my opinion. I think, frankly, like, they got better. They added a new receiver, uh, Jamar Chase. I don't know how much of an impact that really makes. I would like to see the Bengals doing fantastic. It'd be awesome if they were 8-0 to start the year. I just don't think that's a realistic expectation for the Cincinnati Bengals. I was very, very critical of this move. I did not like it. I knew Jamar Chase would be a star player, but I did not think he would lead to Cincinnati winning more games. And I was really, really worried about the Bengals' offensive line. In fact, I still actually kind of am. Like, going into the Super Bowl, I'm like, just please, Joe Burrow, do not die. That's all I'm asking for. Um, Joe Burrow gets hit a ton, and... I certainly did not expect anything like what happened in the Tennessee Titans playoff game where Joe Burrow got sacked nine times and still found a way to win. Like, that that doesn't happen. You don't win football games when that happens to you. And I would actually say the Bengals are kind of getting away with one right now where in year one, Joe Burrow got hurt, destroyed his knee, and it's hard to not blame the offensive line. And the thing I just did not account for is that Joey B is just a wizard at surviving in the pocket. He avoids sacks like crazy. There's a play against the Kansas City Chiefs where, uh, you know, Chris Jones has him dead to rights, not once, but twice on the same play, and he avoids a sack. He ducks under it, then avoids a sack with, like, an ankle bite. Um, and he does that all the time. He avoids sacks like crazy. Like, he just sort of, like... I didn't, he's not Russell Wilson. Like, he's not as fast, doesn't have a crazy amount of top-end speed, but he's just like a little slippery, just you can't get a hold on Joe Burrow. He's hard to sack. He's also incredible in a messy pocket. He is one of the best quarterbacks I have ever seen with bodies around him. When there's people around his legs or hitting everything, I just, I did, I could not have fathomed how good he would be at hanging in the pocket and getting hit a lot, but still stepping into throws and delivering the ball on time. It's crazy. 
And then on top of that, all those things, avoiding sacks, he's good in a messy pocket. He's also, I think, elite pre-snap. Like, he is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL before the ball is snapped, recognizing a coverage, recognizing, hey, how do I need to shift my protection? Are they blitzing me? And that's why he's so good at a blitz. Joe Burrow, when you blitz him, he doesn't cringe. He doesn't go, oh, no, what do I do? He doesn't try to run away. He goes, all right, baby, let's go. He loves it. Because what it does is allow – it actually in a weird way simplifies the game for Joe Burrow because if you're taking a bunch of people out of coverage, it gives him one-on-one matchups, and he just goes, where's my best matchup? I'm going to get the ball to hands very quickly, and he'll shred you. And that, the stats show that. Like he just destroys people when you try to blitz him, and that's because he's really good pre-snap at recognizing coverages and where pressure's coming from. Now, I already made a video about how – you know about just – the monumental amount of how wrong I was about the Bengals this year. Remember, I predicted the Bengals would go 4-13, and 13, which I very quickly— there were 3-1 and one to start the year, and I, I literally made a video. I was like, nope, I uh, already got this one dead wrong. Like, they are not at all as bad as I thought they would be. And it's funny. There's a clip where I said that the fans in Cincinnati had unrealistic expectations uh, by talking about a playoff run during the preseason. This is not only a playoff run. This is a Super Bowl run. They're in the Super Bowl, playing the Rams two weeks from now. Like that, or I guess next, you know, next Sunday. That, that's unbelievable to me. And I'm so glad I was wrong. And the one thing that I want people to know is that despite all the times I was not sure it would work in Cincinnati, or I was like, I don't know, the ownership there is bad, or I don't know, the offensive line is bad. I want people to understand one thing about Cincinnati. It's, it's one of my favorite places on the planet. Uh, I've got this weird love. I think most people that aren't from Cincinnati probably would tell you it's terrible. In fact, there's a show where they joke about how, like, Cincinnati's like hell. And I'm like, no, no, no. Cincinnati's – I love it. The people there care about sports. It's clean. It's beautiful. Great breweries. Um, I can't wait to spend time there in the future. Um, my, as a child, my dad would make – spaghetti chili and cheese as kind of a riff on skyline chili skyline chili is my favorite food it's my favorite comfort food when i'm like having a bad night or just need some really good comfort food and so i just i'm so happy that these two things have really collided joe burrow this quarterback who i'm really inspired by his work ethic his moxie his confidence his attitude it's a quarterback i love in a city I love. And so maybe what I'm going to say here is, Cincinnati, can you forgive me? I was skeptical. I, I didn't think it was going to work. I, I really, not that Joe Burrow wouldn't be great, not that Jamar Chase wouldn't be great. I assumed things were still the way they were when Carson Palmer was the quarterback there. The ownership structure is different. And also, Joe Burrow's better than Carson Palmer was. He's just elevating his teammates more than Carson Palmer ever did. And... Um, I, you know, I just, I just love seeing what's going on. It's a quarterback I love, a city I love. It's this great combination. And I'm so happy to have been wrong about Joe Burrow. It it certainly is really, um, kind of cringy to look back at the stuff I said, but it all, in all of that, I hope it's understood that there's a lot of love for the city and it's a place I just, oh my gosh, I, uh, I miss it, man. I really love the city of Cincinnati and I'm happy that Joe Burrow is, just making me look monumentally wrong. It's it's a joy to watch, and I I don't know that they're going to win a Super Bowl. I really I'm I am crossing every finger and every 
you know, my toes, everything. I just, I want them to win so badly. I don't know if they will, but I want you to know I am rooting for Cincinnati hardcore in the Super Bowl, and they got a shot. So, um, I don't know. I, I really wanted to look back and kind of, I, I just think it's fun to kind of clown on myself and look back at all the times I was wrong or the things I said and, Joe Burrow, man, it's just proving me wrong over and over and over again, and I love that. All right, uh, let's shift gears. By the way, you may not know this. <laughs> my power went out twice during that segment. It was well, right at the end of the Washington segment, then in the middle of the Joe Burrow segment, and I'm like, guys, wh- I don't know what's happening. I don't know why my power keeps going out. The construction is gone. The plumbing's fixed. There's no more drilling, thank goodness, but... You know, I live in, like, a really cheap apartment, and I'm, I'm very glad to pay, like, nothing to live here. It's, it's great. Uh, but <laughs> it does come along with a lot of weird, frustrating problems. And uh, I just – it really threw me off. I'm trying to record the show, and I'm like, my camera's off. <laughs> my computer's off. I got to restart my computer. I'm like, are you kidding me? It's very – it really is trippy to, like, just be, like, totally thrown like that. So I don't know what's going on, but um, – I wanted you to know that that happened. If I seemed off, I don't think I, I think I, I think I just played it off pretty well. But if I seemed off, it's because there's like a 20 second or a 20 minute gap in there. Where I'm like restarting my computer, waiting for power to come back on. I'm like, please, can we, can we figure this out? I want to continue the show. I love my job. I like talking about sports. Um, I'm like trying not to get super sweaty. Like, you know, it's okay, Zach. You're fine. It's good. The lights will come back on. <laughs> what a, what a nightmare. Um, let's talk about the Jaguars. The Jaguars have hired a new head coach, Doug Peterson, and it's surprising. It's kind of cool. I love this hire. I am really curious how people in Jacksonville feel. So if you're watching on YouTube or listening, send me a message or write in on YouTube, send a comment. I want to know how you, the Jaguars fans, feel about this hire. But I truly, to me, I think this is a great hire. He's a proven NFL head coach. If you compare him to... Brian Dable in New York, Matt Eberflus in Chicago, Nathaniel Hackett in Denver. Nathaniel Hackett is a guy. I am all in on Nathaniel Hackett. I love the guy. You ever seen him like coaching? He's got passionate energy. He's a quarterback coach I would want to work with. But regardless, um, Doug Peterson, unlike all those guys, Kellen Moore, Brian Dable, Matt Eberflus, Nathaniel Hackett, Doug Peterson's been there, done that before. He's been a head coach in the NFL. He's won a lot of games, and he won a Super Bowl. I, I – I don't know, man. I think it's a great hire. And he also played quarterback in the NFL. I think he's going to relate very, very well to the Jaguars' young quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. I think a lot of people actually forgot he was even available. Or they wrote him off because they only remember that he was fired by Philadelphia. And there's this negative feeling about that guy and the way things went down. And Carson Wentz, his quarterback, started playing really bad. And Jalen Hurts emerged. And there was a quarterback controversy. And... When Doug Peterson got fired by the Eagles, it was because of a power struggle with the Eagles' owner. Jeffrey Lurie wanted more control over how things are run in the organization, and Doug Peterson didn't like that. And remember that at one point, <laughs> Philly actually fired Andy Reid, who's – I don't know what – regardless how you feel about Andy Reid, it's undeniable Andy Reid is an incredible head coach in the NFL. You fire that guy, you make everybody look at you sideways a little bit, going like, really? Really? It worked out for Andy Reid. He won a Super Bowl. Uh, He's actually better off at Kansas City. But 
Philadelphia is not an organization I would want to coach for. And Shad Khan, the new owner he has in Jacksonville for Doug Peterson, I Shad Khan has made mistakes. I don't know why he hired Urban Meyer. I don't know what's going on in the GM situation. But I know that his story and his interviews, he's a guy who I think if I was head coach, I would feel much more comfortable working for than in Philadelphia. That's for sure. And Doug Peterson's going to take a lot of risks. He's going to go for it on fourth down. I think he's a great fit for Trevor Lawrence. That's what this hire is all about, is getting a coach that can really get the most out of your young quarterback. And it's undeniable that Doug Peterson is so much better than Urban Meyer was. Urban Meyer was a train wreck, and this won't even be close. There's some young talent in Jacksonville. I love the hire. I really, if I'm a Jaguars fan, I'd be very, very excited. He's a proven winner who knows quarterbacks, and he's certainly not at all a dictator type that Urban Meyer was. So I, I think it's a shockingly good hire by the Jaguars. They found a guy that I think a lot of people were overlooking or not paying attention to, and I am very, very positive and very, very excited to see how things go with Doug Peterson as a new head coach in Jacksonville. Okay, um, water first, and we'll get into the Raiders. So let's talk about the Raiders' new head coach, Josh McDaniels. Uh, He was the Patriots' offensive coordinator for a total of 13 years. And when he was hired by the Raiders, a lot of people responded to what I said by saying that, you know, coaches from the Bill Belichick coaching tree do not work. And I think that's a fair criticism. I really, I hear that counterpoint to my excitement about Josh McDaniels being hired. And I go, I understand where you're coming from, actually. I think it's a good point to bring up and a good concern. And when I think of the Bill Belichick coaching tree, uh, never not mind. I don't count Nick Saban. Nick Saban did not work in the NFL. He's been a massively successful coach in college, but college football is not the NFL. When I think of the Bill Belichick coaching tree, I think of Bill O'Brien, Joe Judge, Matt Patricia. A- and Matt Patricia is a guy that has really stuck with me because he did not work at all, at all, as the Detroit Lions head coach. What happened there? Why did Matt Patricia fail? when he left New England to become a head coach. He did not create enough unique identity for himself. He copied or tried to copy Bill Belichick, the guy he used to be an understudy under. And so here is the most important thing Josh McDaniels needs to do as a head coach in Vegas. He must, he has to coach in his own unique style. Nobody, and I mean nobody, can copy Bill Belichick, and nobody has the resume to get away with the cold, harsh approach for Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick has six Super Bowl rings, seven if you count the one he won as an assistant with the Giants. And players trust Bill Belichick because he's won a ton. When Bill Belichick says something, you go, yes, sir, I respect you, you've won, I'll do whatever it takes. Josh McDaniels cannot lean on that resume. Yes, Josh McDaniels won some Super Bowls with the Patriots, and he was there for some of them, and, you know, like, he had a hand in them, but those are Bill Belichick's wins, not his. So Josh McDaniels cannot lean on that same resume. Also, by the way, what I've learned about Bill Belichick, what I've heard from people is that 
yes, he is a tough guy. He's very demanding. He will do whatever it takes to get the best out of you. But there is way more heart and care for his players that Bill just never allows the media to see. Like, behind closed doors, apparently Bill Belichick is a very different person with a sense of humor and a way more kindness and care than you would ever imagine uh, from a guy who you see in press conferences who's very cold and stern. <clears throat> so if Josh McDaniels seems to be copying Bill Belichick, it will not work. It's not going to work. He has to find his own unique voice and not lean on the past to try to gain respect from his new players in Vegas. And you can look for that. If you're a Raiders fan, if you notice that it feels like Josh McDaniels is trying to copy Bill Belichick, then I would be worried because that won't work. It's never worked for anybody. You cannot copy Bill Belichick and, you know, make, you know, New England North in Detroit. That, it's not going to happen. You can't do that in Vegas. You can't do it in Detroit. You can't do it in Texas. You can't do it anywhere it's been tried before. It fails every time. Only Bill Belichick can make Bill Belichick work. And if you see that Josh McDaniels is trying to do that, then you can be concerned. But look for that. If you're a Raiders fan, is Josh McDaniels providing his own unique style and voice, or is he copying Bill Belichick? You can look for that. And if you see his copying, that's a big concern because it's never, ever worked before. And I don't think it ever can work for anybody other than Bill Belichick. All right, let's shift to college football for the final topic of the day. There are nine quarterbacks that I cannot wait to watch next year in college football. My favorite thing about college football is watching guys with NFL potential that will become NFL quarterbacks. And as I tell you the guys I'm excited to watch next year, I want to invite feedback. Uh, feel free to write in with the guys that you're excited to watch next year. If there's any I leave off the list, write in. Tell me why you're excited to watch that guy. Do they have NFL potential? I don't, you know, I, I'm not that excited about a guy who is like a good college quarterback, like a, a Tim Tebow type or a Colin Klein type. Who is, you know, Colin Klein was a great quarterback at Kansas State. But he didn't really have NFL potential, so I'm not I'm not that excited about that kind of quarterback. I respect a guy who's good in college, but if you're not an NFL a future NFL quarterback, I'm not that excited. So here are the nine guys, and we'll add a couple honorable mentions at the end. The nine guys I'm very very excited to watch next fall in college football. Number one is Keaton Slovis, the quarterback at Pittsburgh. Um, I think people forgot how good he is. Last year he got hurt. Uh, they fired their coach at USC. It was a down year, and remember, going into last year, he was projected by ESPN to be the number three overall pick in this year's NFL draft. Like, he's an NFL quarterback, and he does all the little things well. I am going to tell you shamelessly, he's my favorite quarterback in college football. Um, I, Caleb Williams is incredible. Keaton's the guy that I am most excited to watch play. I'm going to follow every game he plays. I'm going to get whatever package it requires to watch every Pittsburgh game. I love the guy. I, I, I should let you know, I, I know the guy. Like, we, we text occasionally, and I, I think he's awesome. But I'm a huge fan, and his accuracy, his decision-making, he reminds me a lot of, actually, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't want to make a comparison that's not fair to him, but he, he just is so, so good at the little things, and he controls everything he can control and does it very, very well. 
And part of his game, by the way, is he can extend plays. I think that's another thing people forget is that he's really good at getting outside the pocket and keeping plays alive. And I remember watching him as an 18-year-old at USC going, the habits this guy has, the way he plays is so ahead of his age. And I am very, very excited. He's transferred to Pittsburgh. It's a team that's got their entire offense coming back except for their quarterback and I think Pitt is a great spot for him to show the world what he can do and really, um, you know, kind of a, as a launch pad to his NFL career. I am so, so excited to watch Keaton Slovis this fall at Pittsburgh. The second quarterback I'm most excited to watch is Caleb Williams. Uh, from a guy who left USC, Keaton Slovis, to now let's talk about a guy who transferred into USC. He played last year at Oklahoma. He took Spencer Rattler's starting quarterback job. Um, and he has now followed head coach Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma to USC. I don't know why the transfer took so long. I was waiting and waiting and waiting, like, where? It seems like he's going there. He took a long time to announce he was going there, but let's be clear about Caleb Williams. He is the very most talented quarterback in all of college football. He is the best, and he's got crazy arm talent. He's got a massive arm. He can make any throw from any, like, I don't care what arm angle. I don't care how his feet are positioned. He can make any throw. It's really fun to watch him. Like, he, he just throws a beautiful football. He can run both with speed and power. He's got a run against Texas where he, it's like fourth and one. He runs someone over and then continues running and runs for like a long, like 60-yard touchdown. And you're like, I, I didn't know he was a running back and a quarterback. Like, you know, I... It's incredible, and he's going to be a sophomore next year. He's a future number one overall pick. He's crazy talented, and he's going to be a blast to watch this year at USC as USC tries to get back on the map as a true top dog in college football. Number three is Bryce Young at Alabama. He won the Heisman last year. He's the only quarterback at all last year who challenged Georgia's defense. And a lot of people talk about how, oh, he plays with the best talent. He's got great receivers. That's that's true. But he's also incredible at making plays. And he's not a running quarterback. He can run, but he doesn't run on like quarterback-designed runs. He really doesn't even run downfield very much. He runs behind the line of scrimmage. He extends plays. He keeps plays alive. And he's so good at that. I love, love watching Bryce Young. Him and then the number four quarterback, C.J. Stroud, another obvious one. Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud are the two young guys in, the, in, in college football, excuse me, where I'm like, yo, these guys are incredible. They're just dealing left and right. And C.J. Stroud, the quarterback at Ohio State, the number four quarterback on this list, is just another crazy young quarterback, man. He's got incredible anticipation, a great deep ball. I loved watching him in the Rose Bowl this year. He made a lot of great throws all year, and... Another guy who had great receivers, similar to Bryce Young, but another guy that is just a really top-notch talent, and I am very, very excited to watch C.J. Stroud next year at Ohio State. Number five is Spencer Rattler. He transferred to South Carolina out of Oklahoma. He had some bad games last year at OU. He lost his starting job. Ego is a big concern for Spencer Rattler. I actually worry that the NIL change happened, and he could make money with sponsorships, and he felt distracted a lot last year, like something was pulling his attention away from football. And he's been also a bit immature in the past. So I, I have pretty dramatic, intense concerns about 
Spencer Rattler, like there is some big red flags. However, he's crazy talented. Until Caleb Williams started playing for Oklahoma, which really is amazing. It really shows how much talent there was on in that quarterback room. I thought that Spencer Rattler had the best arm in college football until, again, Caleb Williams arrived on the scene. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Well, apparently Oklahoma had the two best arms in college football last year. Spencer Rattler is a guy with a clear amount of NFL potential who just needs to get focused and needs to suppress the ego. And maybe I think actually, if anything, the losing your job, having a transfer could have knocked him down a peg and humbled him a lot. And I'm hoping that's what happens. So he's eager to prove what he can do next year. And certainly there's enough talent to be a great NFL quarterback. Let's see what he can do. But this guy, I'm excited to watch him in the SEC against some top-level competition. And um, Spencer Rattler certainly is a very, very exciting quarterback to watch next year in college football. The number six quarterback is Cam Rising at Utah. Uh, This is a guy who got on my radar during the Rose Bowl. And he made some big-time NFL throws, stepping into pressure against Ohio State. And, And really what's crazy about Cam Rising, not only can he run, he had a crazy long run against Ohio State, but all year he had some great runs. He's got a very accurate deep ball, which I love. If he's an NFL quarterback, then he can really elevate this Utah program. Utah is a program for years I've been talking about how, man, they run the ball well. They play really great defense. All they need is an elite-level quarterback. We will see. Can Cam Rising be that? Because it's possible they could win back-to-back Pac-12 championships next year as well. And on top of everything— I, I want to call him like the California Cowboy. He's a guy, he drives this whole pickup truck, which is really cool. There's something about Cam Rising. It's the the poise, the leadership. He's a great leader in that locker room. They talk about it over and over again. But even aside from that, he's got a swagger and a confidence and a, a unique trait where he's very, very comfortable in big moments. In the biggest moments of the year, similar to actually the way I would talk about Joe Burrow, The world seems to slow down. You see him smiling, like chill, calm, not panicking. And not even not panicking, but like just very, very even keel. Like the moment does not get to him. And I am very, very excited to watch camera rising. I think this is a guy with NFL potential. We'll see how next year goes. But some of the stuff he does, and and quarterback a lot is about confidence and the way that you handle big moments. And do you believe in yourself? I thought we saw moments with Patrick Mahomes in the AFC championship game against Cincinnati, against Cincinnati to end their season in the second half where Patrick Mahomes looked like he was, his confidence was shaken and his entire decision-making paradigm was actually a little off kilter. Cam Rising isn't going to have that problem. Cam Rising is very, very stable and steady. And I, I don't know, I'm very, very excited to watch this guy next year at Utah. The number seven quarterback I can't wait to watch next year in college football is Bo Nix. He has transferred from Auburn to now he is in Eugene at the University of Oregon. Here is the story with Bo Nix. Can he elevate himself to become a top-level quarterback and become an NFL quarterback? He's really talented. 
He can run. He's a big dude. He's got all the physical traits required. And if he has a really great year at Oregon, I think he could skyrocket and just massively jump up the charts. The same way actually Joe Burrow did in 2019 with LSU. There's potential here for a really big opportunity where he could just impress a ton of people and maybe turn himself into a first-round pick. So keep your eye on Bo Nix. I am very curious if he will reach his goals at Oregon, but I think he needed a change. I think that um, he's going to play with maybe some better, you know, more talented certain athletes around him, and I'm just very, very interested and excited to see how Bo Nix does this fall at the University of Oregon. Number eight is Jackson Dart. Jackson Dart, another USC quarterback. Dude, USC and Oklahoma had just a a glut, a, just a crazy amount of talent at the quarterback position last year. He is transferring from USC to the University of, I guess, what is it? Just Ole Miss. I don't actually know. Is it University of Mississippi? Is it, I don't know how, I don't actually know the official name of Ole Miss other than I call it Ole Miss, the Rebels. I, I wish I knew that. I feel weird that I don't know that. Um, anyway, he did not want to compete with Caleb Williams. I cannot blame him. The minute it felt like, hey, Caleb Williams is going to transfer to USC, he got out of there. And Ole Miss is a great fit for him, playing for Lane Kiffin in a really creative offense. He was only a true freshman last year, which makes the way he played at USC very, very impressive with that context. And he's got a great deep ball. He's going to shred whoever they play against. And I, I think it's very possible that within a couple games, he could be even better than Matt Corral was last year. I have nothing but respect for Matt Corral. But Jackson Dart is incredibly talented. And I think people don't even, like, you know, because he's transferring, there's, like, this stigma. Oh, if you have to transfer out of a program, you're bad or not very good. There's something to that, right? People always kind of have, there's, like, a stigma if you leave a program. Oh, why weren't you good enough to play where you were? Let's be clear. One of the only people that could have gotten Jackson Dart to transfer out of USC was Caleb Williams, who is the... Uh, unarguable, most talented quarterback in college football. So it's not like Jackson Dart lost his job to someone who is like not very good or terrible or like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, I don't know. I, I, I just, it's, it's pretty clear. Like he's like, I, I am not going to tr- even try to compete with Caleb Williams. I'm going to go somewhere else, make my own opportunity and great for him. The number nine quarterback, the final one on this list. I don't know why. I do not know why he's number nine. Jake Hayner at Fresno State is a quarterback I'm very excited to watch. I love this guy. Throwing back shoulder fades. He's very accurate. He's very creative with his ball placement, actually. Um, And I don't know why I left him till number nine on the list. I think he's better than some of the guys that are earlier on this list, actually. Um, This is in no particular order, but the guy is crazy underrated. Um, He's an NFL quarterback, and he's got great habits. I'm actually very excited he's coming back for another year at Fresno State. He had a couple games last year where he had these incredible highs and then these moments where you're like, hmm, kind of a miss, like a weird loss, a weird game here and there. The Hawaii game is weird. You know, I he's a super senior coming back for his final year. He shredded Oregon and UCLA last year, made some really impressive throws, and I'm very excited to watch Jay Kaner next year in college football. I have three honorable mentions. Dylan Gabriel is a transfer from Central Florida to Oklahoma. Going to be interesting there. Uh, Quinn Ewers, the transfer from Ohio State to Texas, is interesting. 
he could start at Texas and he actually got Casey Thompson to leave. Like he, you know, they, no one wanted to compete there. It seems like he's the next quarterback at Texas. I'm excited to watch that. And Cade Klubnick, the he's going to be a freshman at Clemson, could start as a freshman. They need a quarterback at Clemson. DJ Uyunglele was kind of a bust last year, and I am I'm hopeful. Like we'll see. Cade Klubnick and Quinn Ewers. I, I don't know if they're going to play. I don't. We'll see what happens. But they are guys who could start immediately next year after you know getting to new school. Whether you know Quinn Ewers transfer, Cade Klubnick as a freshman. They could start immediately next year, and I just don't know how to judge them. I don't know where to put them on this list, but they are guys I'm definitely excited to watch that are on my radar for next year in college football. So write in. Let me know um, your quarter. Like who, who did I leave off the list? Who are you excited to watch next year in college football? What quarterbacks do you think have NFL potential that I maybe did not mention? Um, let me go back to the list. It is Keaton Slovis. Can't wait to watch the guy. Caleb Williams. Jackson Dart, Spencer Rattler, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud. Then you have Jake Hayner, Cam Rising, and Bo Nix. I think that's all nine. One more time. Keaton Slovis. <laughs> I should have counted. Keaton Slovis, Cam Rising, Jake Hayner, Caleb Williams, Spencer Rattler, Jackson Dart, Cam Rising, Bo Nix, and... Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud. I don't know. I feel like I left someone out or said, I, I don't know. I, what am I doing? I don't know. Anyway, enjoy next year in college football. I cannot wait. And uh, I'm going to have to cut that out. <laughs> I'm definitely not leaving that in the breakout. Me, like, trying to count and failing horribly, probably saying Bryce Young's name, like, four times. Anyway, I love you. I appreciate you. That is all I have for today's episode. And uh, have a great day. But I'm bum. Bam. We are done. <laughs>